Hey everyone, welcome to What the Meta, a podcast in which I, Spencer Bing, sit down with esports industry professionals and talk with them about the work they are doing and how they got there. The aim of this podcast is to provide you with insight about getting involved in maintaining a career in the esports industry. I'm here with our Tory Gold. How's it going? Hey, it's good to have you on. Tyler and I worked together at Pro Guides, uh, had a lot of fun. Uh, and some crazy times at that job and uh, very crazy <laughs> and we'll, we'll probably get into that in a minute here but uh, yeah Tyler um, what do you do what are you doing right now can you tell me a little bit about um, tell me anything I've missed he's also he's a high-level yeah. overwatch player he is uh, very, quite high level um, he's got your support needs down but he can also carry when needed um and he's an expertise in content creation and like tutorial guides um especially when it comes to hearthstone league of legends or overwatch so hit me what have I missed? thank you the uh, introduction i appreciate it so I, I guess the first thing that i want to talk about is well first we we worked for pro guides and that's how we met and that's where we really kind of like had the meat of everything in esports that we can talk about, uh, good times and bad. Um, but I want to kind of fill in the gaps after Pro Guides because I actually had some pretty positive and negative experiences after. Um, so after Pro Guides, I ended up kind of having like a little bit of a rough spell where I wasn't able to find work. And I think that's probably one of the biggest problems with the esports industry is finding work. <laughs> For me, anyways, it was really hard. There's a lot of websites out there that kind of try to help you to get work. Um, I think Hitmarker Jobs is one that we've talked about before. Yeah. Um, and so for a few months, I was really just out of, like, just I couldn't find anything. One of my biggest problems with finding work in esports is that a lot of the jobs are, they, they tell you that they'll pay you, and then they don't. And that's been a big problem. Um, they they don't list themselves as volunteer jobs or whatever you want to call it. And they'll get the whole process and I'll go through and waste my time interviewing with them. And it won't be until the very like last step when I figure out, oh, wait, they don't have any money and they're not going to pay me. This is all volunteer. And so I was kind of like having a really rough time after ProGuides because I couldn't find anybody that would take me and pay me. And that was a really uh, hard realization of the esports world, at least in, uh, from my point of view when I was looking. Um, I actually didn't find success or start finding like paid positions when I stopped looking at Hitmarker. Like, I stopped looking at the job boards. And instead, what I did is I actually just started looking at career pages of websites that I already knew. So what I did was, is I went, well, I kind of like had a daily process of, I would find an esports org, you know, CLG, TSM. And then I would also look at like really small and like tiny ones that you would never have heard of. And like every other day, I would basically look at the career pages and see if they would have a new job posting on their website themselves. And that was my new process. And eventually, I found myself at a place called GameLeap.com. Um, and at GameLeap.com, I got paid a decent, okay amount. But it was 
also kind of a pro guide similar experience uh, where there were some really good highs at the beginning and then some pretty nasty lows by the end of it. Let's talk first about what it is you're doing right now at the moment, just oh, so that yeah. way it's clear. Um, so um, after, actually, I guess I'll say this part too because I don't mind. Uh, half, I think, I think like little, I had a contract with Game Leap, and then right before the contract was over, I'm, I'm not even going to kid, it's probably like two weeks, about two weeks before my contract was over, I actually got a message from Bro Guides, and they messaged me back, and they were kind of giving me a bunch of offers to come back, and eventually, once the contract ended, I ended up taking that job, and I, I ended up going back to Pro Guides after leaving them. So right now, I'm currently, I, I don't know what you would call the title, maybe manager, director, uh, producer of Overwatch content. So now I am basically just creating uh, an entire like course and setting up all the hero guides for Overwatch for their website, which they've never, uh, which they didn't have on their website before. It's just League of Legends, Hearthstone, and I think Fortnite. So now I'm pretty much just in charge of getting all the Overwatch stuff done. Um, and that's kind of just what I'm doing right now. All right, cool. Have been doing for a little bit. Well, that's that's the great because that's honestly that that's what you enjoy doing the most. And, uh, you know, for a time, it seemed like they yeah. might be pushing you towards a different project. And uh, I know from the time that we worked uh, together before at Pro Guides, you know, that was something that, you know, was not something you were super interested in, um, but something you find yourself doing um, repeatedly kind of that kind of moved you into different projects that you weren't necessarily super passionate about or as passionate, I should say, because you were passionate with all, yeah. your, all your work, but just, you know, you were more interested in doing the Overwatch content. I remember that, uh, oh, remember, that when, remember when you first got into the beta and we were in that office uh, in Venice? I do remember that. You recorded me. I recorded you and got like 600 or like, a th I don't remember, it was like a thousand views on YouTube or something of, of like... I was like so hyped to kid, play that game. reacts to getting an Overwatch beta. It was so hype. I mean, I, I from the moment that I saw that game, I was like, this game looks like so much fun. So I knew that I was just in love with it from the beginning. Uh, my only regret is I didn't play it more when it first came out. And honestly, I feel like the job at Pro Guides stopped me from playing it more. That's a, that's something that uh, I'm sure you could talk about. But the esports industry, um, it's fucking rough. The hours, it's rough. Yeah, man. We, like, we you got to do pretty, so much. Pretty long hours and pretty crazy uh, stuff. No um, overtime. Yeah, yeah. Not when you're getting paid a, a salary. Um, even yeah. even if that salary is just a little baby salary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No shit. And uh, yeah, there are negative. I think with ev with, ed with any job, you know, any job kind of has a negative, and I think it's important to tell the negatives at esports because it's it's kind of it's dangerous, especially with um, who I've talked to who've replaced me at Gamely and what they had to go through. And I think it's important to warn or let people know that some of these people are out there to just scam you. And you gotta value your worth a little bit. Um, I could definitely get into that with Game Leap at any time. Um, okay, cool. So uh, let's, let's, let's start, um, let's go back to the beginning. We're gonna, um, I'm curious, like for you, um, like gaming 
is seems to be like a daily part of your life and probably has been for many years. Oh, yeah. um, can you tell me like what the moment was for you where you knew that you wanted to work in esports? Like, what did that look like? You know, it, it, it was weird because I think it was probably when I was in college. Um, for me, college was, uh, I think it was probably around like 2009, 2000. Yeah, it was 2009 when I started college. And I really didn't know what that, you know, what I wanted to do. It was one of those things where I just was, you know, a freshman in college and I was just overwhelmed by all these different things. And I never felt passion about anything. Like I had no desire to go and get out of college and start getting a regular nine to five job. That wasn't something that I wanted. I never wanted that. When I was in high school, I had no passion to be like, I was actually always jealous of everybody else. Because back in high school in like 2006, it wasn't really like a thought that, oh, I could do this for a living. That wasn't a thing. People didn't believe you can do it. My parents certainly didn't believe in that. Um, I never really got any support there on that side. I think nowadays esports is a more viable career path than ever before. But back, in, you know, when I was in school, it definitely was, it, it wasn't a thing. It was like, if you do this, you're wasting your life. At least that's what I heard from my parents. I never really got much support from my parents on that end. Absolutely. That's um, very similar in, on my end. Yeah. You're, you and I are both sim we're, we're similar ages. We're, we're probably considered old, considering all the other people in esports. Uh, at least everybody I meet on a daily basis, they're always so young. And they have opportunities that weren't there when we started. So I was completely lost. When I was going through school, I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. I just know I didn't want to do a nine to five job and get stuck in some office somewhere. I didn't want to do something predictable. I didn't want to do that kind of thing. And so I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, and I never really figured that out until I actually found out that this was an opportunity. Um, and the only way I found that out was through Craigslist, really. That's where I found uh, a job from uh, ProGuides. But also, I don't think it would have ever happened if I didn't take the big step to move. Because I lived in the middle of nowhere in Ohio. And there is no eSport opportunity in the middle of nowhere in Ohio. I think one big thing you have to realize is, is you have to probably, if you're really committed, you probably have to move. That's a big thing. Um, especially if they want you to be in office. There are a lot of, I think there's a lot more opportunities to work remotely before um but i think it's harder all around if you're going to be working remotely your whole life i think you have to make that step and you have to be committed and eventually move to where they are and typically that's probably going to be california i think um i've been noticing over the last couple of months a lot more uh universities having an esports presence and, and like officially taking oh, it true. on like even in michigan i've noticed like at least four universities taking like a hiring an official esports position and um and as i was having keeping my eye on like hit marker over the last few months just to see where the industry is going the number one like new job I see on there is for uh, university esports coaches or managers, and they're usually looking for people with experience. So yeah. they're not finding a lot, to be honest. Like a lot of the people, they, they look for the experience. Um, if you went to the university, that'll be a shoe in, I think, um, in most cases. They're hiring, you know, like people who are involved at the university at, on the 
at the tech level of, of some sort or event management. These are the probably two main things I'd say. But um, but even in even in Ohio, I, I noticed a bunch, and I was like, I know Tyler will never go back to Ohio. But if he yeah. did, he could get a coaching position. So you know, maybe one day way down the line, you know, you yeah, it's amazing. A big old yeah. field. And, I, I wish I wish those same opportunities I had those. You know, like ten years ago. Oh my God, my life would probably be so different. Absolutely. Not even kidding. You know are, what I mean? Those like, are available like, well, when we were still there in, in the Midwest. Then who, yeah. who knows? I probably I might have never moved. I don't know. Like it's possible. I might have stayed in school because of it too. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like if I had that at my school, I probably would have cared more about school. But because that wasn't a thing ten years ago. I felt lost, confused, and I felt like it was all pointless because I knew I didn't want to do this. So I ended up dropping out after like a few years of school of just doing a bunch of different majors and not really connecting with any of them. And I knew that video games was my passion. The problem is I didn't know how to turn that into a career. And I think with the things of esports now, you it helps younger people who have all these issues. I know that's a big thing when you're young. You don't know what you want to do. It's not set in stone. Some people say, oh, I want to be this. I want to be this. I heard that was one thing when I was growing up that always pissed me off or rather made me jealous. I was like, man, how do these people at age 14 and 15 already know that they want to be and do this for the rest of their life? And that, that to me was always crazy. I was like, how does my friend know he wants to do this? And then he just set a career path for him over the next like 10 years. And bam, now he had, now he has what he, what he wants to do. But back then that wasn't really a thing. Um, I knew I wanted to do stuff in video games, but everybody, including my parents and teachers, they didn't believe that was a real option. And so they looked down on it and they said, don't do it. And so taking a lot of risks in order to get where I am today. Um, the biggest one, of course, is just moving across the country to Los Angeles. That's, and of course, for you, it's moving across another country. It's a big risk. A lot of people aren't willing to do that. A lot of people kind of like where they are, and they don't like to, to change, change that and take a risk. Um, and I think esports industry in general, I would say it, it can be quite a risk. Um, cause you never know. Sometimes you might get a really good company, a really nice one, or sometimes you might get a weird one you've never really heard of, but you end up working with them and they pay you well. So you stay with them for a while. Um, like game leap. I never heard of game leap before. I just was randomly Google searching all day long. Eventually I found them and I was like, Oh, I'll send them an application, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And I end up, I dad, I knew nothing about them, knew literally nothing. Um, which is kind of, which can be a negative thing because you don't know what the reputation of the company is. Um, you don't know if they're good on their word to pay you, you know, they don't know if they're going to up, uphold all of these things that they promise you. Um, in my case with, with a uh, game leap, they gave me all kinds of empty promises. I don't know like much about your actual work experience before that, or like even, I know, sure. you, I know you started at university and like what, what kind of stuff like is in your background and, and how has that kind of helped you um, in like as you like moved into esports? Like what, what was something that kind of helped? The only thing about my previous jobs that helped me move in the esports was how much I hated them um, and I never want to do them again. <laughs> That's a hell, so, hell of a motivation. 
So yeah, no, it, it it is because you you just you get a taste of the nine to five job, and I don't know if I maybe other people are out there like it, but I it was terrible. I hated it. I had an I had an office job for like two years, and I had to deal with office politics, which I think is a nightmare. Um, I think maybe you could get those in the esports industry, but this is a different kind of office politics. Like I don't know how to describe it. It's like it's like normie. It's like it's like a normie situation. Like working esports is is very different compared to a regular job, and everybody in there is pretty everybody that i worked in this office job with were like 30 and 40 and i was sitting here and i was doing it at like 20 21 i think i was 21 to 22 or 23 so i worked there for like a couple of years and everybody in there was like older than me by like 15 to 20 years and you don't really relate to anybody um especially if you're a young kid who does nothing but love video games and all that stuff and you're just dealing with regular adults and they pretty much have just, it seemed like to me, they, I wouldn't say given up, but they pretty much just, they knew they'd be there for the rest of their lives. Hmm. And they're going to do the same thing every single day because they, they know that's the, that's what they're comfortable with. That's their routine. And they're too afraid of change. And after about a, a year, year and a half of this, I was like, I got to get out of here. Nothing's going to change. and I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to get a promotion. I'm going to do the same thing just like these people for the rest of my life. And it's miserable. I hate it. And I don't want to do it. And that motivated me to change because the, the melancholy of repetition just killed me. I absolutely hated it. Um, I did a lot of small jobs. I would say no other job was like really important though. You know, like I worked three months here, I worked three months there, but I, that office job, that was kind of a real job, I would say, especially for Ohio at the time. I was actually making like pretty decent money, um, and the work was stupid easy for the money that you got. So everybody was, and since Ohio is so cheap to live in, that you could get away with everything. I mean, I owned a two-story place with a garage, backyard, front yard for $800 a month, which is insanely cheap. Super. And it's super cheap. And I had so I had, it was a giant it was a giant place with you know all these benefits and I had a stupid you know job for an eight hour job that I had to go to every day and it was really boring and all the people were boring I had no friends and I had did the same thing every single day and it made me really sad and depressed because I knew that I was hating every second of it but it was the easy life nobody could tell me that it wasn't easy it was the easiest thing in the world. But easy isn't what I want. I don't want to sit there for the next 10 years doing the easy life and then just living my life to for the weekend. It's like, like I felt like I was living my life for the weekend. The week was just me going to work, coming home, daily routine, go to sleep, repeat. And then I would just be like, oh, soon it's Friday. Almost it's Friday. And then I could do things on Friday and Saturday, you know? And that's how life was and I, I wanted to change I needed to change because I couldn't do that um, in the esports industry you definitely I, I definitely would say it motivated me to, to go towards my passion video games but at, at the point it was still like 2012 and although esports was kind of more of a thing it still was budding um, I would say it's still budding now because it's still growing I don't think it's going to stop growing anytime soon yeah. 
Um, but it was definitely still a big risk. I ended up moving all the way across the country, quitting my job, leaving my really nice apartment, and leaving a, a lot of friends behind, you know, relationships behind, and um, to go live on a couch, essentially, for the next year. Mm. <laughs> um, but that was something that I look back and I, I, I don't regret doing that because I know that I don't want to be in Ohio in the middle of nowhere doing that same job because I would probably still be doing that same job in Ohio. Um, that also has all volumes to speak about the job opportunities in Ohio. There's not a whole lot of job opportunities in the Midwest in the middle of nowhere. There's not a whole lot of amazing places to work, in my experience, unless you maybe move to one of the cities like Columbus, you know, Denver probably for you, right? There's not a whole lot of job opportunities, and um, I didn't really want to live in those cities because those, I mean, I didn't want to live in Cincinnati or, or Columbus because those cities suck in Ohio. I think that's not just, uh, I think that whole mindset of like um, living for the weekend, it's a very, I noticed that throughout the Midwest. I know it's like that in Michigan as well, where a lot of people I went to university yeah. with, you know, they, they did, weren't really satisfied with their, their daily job um, after university. They were just like, we're doing, like, just going through the motions. And then, like, they were trying to live it, live it out on the weekends and, uh, you know. Yeah. And, like, and I, I'm not about that, man. That's, you don't get anything done for fun. You just, like, you're, you just feel tired and exhausted. And you feel like it's even more pointless because the job's stupid and boring. You don't feel passion. I didn't. I didn't feel any passion for those jobs, you know. Yeah. And you just you wait for five of your like five of your seven days, like your whole week. Five of your days are just pointless, and you wait for them to get over. Like I wasn't about that. Like that's no way to live your life, you know. Just waiting think, for five days to be over. I think some of some of that comes from like the the style of uh, university setup in um, the U.S. I think. Um, just the way it's set up where like you you're for the first two years you have to take classes that have nothing to do with your degree so you invest so much time in this just just stuff that that's never you're never going to utilize um and so so during that time period you set up these habits where you're like oh god i just can't wait for the weekend or i can't wait till thursday night when i can just go out hang out with friends and then you know, yeah. maybe get an internship or something, doing something I actually enjoy, um, which is something I highly recommend, uh, even early at university, is take on internships because that is where you get your real work experience. It's not going to be in an office nine to five job like that we're talking about, like doing data entry or something like that. You know, you, you get experience working, but it's not work experience. It's not going to be of use to you later on most of the time. Sometimes it can be, and if you can like grow into a manager role or something like that. But yeah, it's just like a really weird setup. The uh, uh, when you think about it, universities in the states and how you know it's two years of essential, essentially nonsense until you um, then you can start taking major courses. You know, like halfway through your university career. I don't know, kind of crazy, but I think that kind of builds into that that mindset where you're living for the weekend because you just uh, in I think some people just struggle to get out of that once they get out of university right because they're just like i've done yeah. this for so long like but if you can it's it's quite important and, and you can you can make the changes to really kind of change your path or move towards the direction that you want to do which what you were able to do and move towards law 
to Los Angeles and, you know, seek this career in esports. What was the timeline between moving to Los Angeles and uh, finding your job at ProGuys? And can you tell me a little bit about that at the start? Yeah, so I think it was 2013. I, I basically moved and got the job at ProGuides probably like a couple of months right after I moved there. Okay. It, was, it was a little bit of settling in. 2015. Oh, is it 2015? Yes, sir. Okay, so I, I moved in probably 2014. And then I worked at a... Well, I had a couple of dif different random jobs that didn't really last in LA for a little bit. Um, nothing in esports. I think I had like a job as an administrative assistant and I just did accounting work for a little while and then after that didn't work well I guess I should talk more about the move itself so the, the move was actually um it was a little difficult because I had a lot of stuff um a lot of junk really um and I wasn't sure what to do with it and that was a big problem with moving across the country like I didn't really have anything I didn't have a job set up for me when I moved I didn't have anything um planned or ready i didn't have an apartment um i did i do have family in los angeles which is something that helped me with that move too because i had a sister and a mother who live in los angeles so i was like well that kind of convinced me a little bit more than some other things i'm sure but um i don't know if everybody not everybody has family out in in, in those parts but i i definitely went over uh and talked because my mom was definitely telling me well you could always you know, come over here and I'll help you the best way I can. And what that was and what that meant was, is that I basically, I was going to live on her couch for quite a while. I think I lived on her couch probably for a whole year. Um, but I, but my biggest problem was I had to figure out what to do with all this crap that I had because I didn't have room to just store it in a tiny lost, you know, one of those tiny ass apartments that they have. My mom's apartment too. It's not even mine. So there's not like, a bunch of room for me to put like my TV yeah. and stuff like that that I've gotten over the years. So I ended up getting like a storage unit and I put all my stuff in the storage unit in Ohio. Um, and just like recently, like over I've, and since I found a, you know, kind of settled in a bit more, I've been able to have that stuff shipped to me from Ohio. Um, but it's been like basically years without any of my possessions. I left probably all of my possessions behind in Ohio and put it in a storage unit. And I just recently was able to get like all of this stuff moved over here. So it's been like years, um, which is a long process. Um, but when I first moved over there, I didn't really have too much of a plan. Um, some of my plans involved, um, you know, obviously looking for a job, uh, maybe going back and finishing school, but transferring. Cause I think I was like three years into, I was three years into college over in Ohio. So I really only had like a year or two left, but I planned on transferring and I dabbled in that. I went to some colleges. I looked to see what would transfer and what wouldn't. Um, but some things kind of took me away from that because, uh, there still wasn't really anything that I, I really had passion for. Um, in school, there was no degree that I really wanted, and there's not really a degree that I would even tell you to get if you're looking to get in the esports industry as well, um, unless you really had a specific idea of what you wanted to do, because um, it's really it's so vast all the things that you can do. I couldn't recommend a degree to get, but uh, I also think that you could find a job without a degree as well. Um, 
for those that aren't able to afford or don't want to deal with college. Um, esports industry can find a place for you. Um, but after finding a job, I basically worked there for like a few months and I really hated it. It was the, it was the same thing. It was like an administrative assistant job that it just reminded me of the office job. I've just switched locations. It was like the same thing and I hated it. So I ended up looking for you know, eSport jobs, but I wasn't really sure where to look. And I don't think job boards existed like Hitmarker. I don't know if it existed or not, but I know that how I looked for him back then was Craigslist. Yep. That's what I used. Same. Uh, and I don't think Craigslist is a good place to go to anymore. It's terrible, probably. Yeah, but that's where I found him first. Easy. And probably the same job posting, similar, well, similar style of job posting, because it was the same company. And I eventually interviewed with them. And I remember they kind of hired me on the spot as an intern. Um, which also meant, though, I wasn't getting normal pay. Um, I think anybody could expect internships to be, you know, unpaid. And I think that's probably going to be the more standard thing that I see on, like, job boards nowadays. Is that most of the internships are just, like, volunteer work. And you got to hope that they... Uh, you know, pay you or hire you later on. Um, but I worked at Pro Guides for a long time as an intern. I believe it wasn't probably I would say it wasn't until we moved into um Was it that tiny it wasn't until tiny space? The tiny space in Venice. Oh wait, so this That's, is this is this is beyond the, the tiny the tiny tiny room, the, the haunted room. All the ones, yeah. It it wasn't the Regis, it wasn't the liquor store. The liquor store. It was sometime a little bit after the uh, the Venice one is when I started making, I wouldn't say a lot of money, but I started making money compared to internship money. Mm-hmm. When I was an intern, you know, I got paid under $1,000 a month. And I had that for probably like five or six months, probably. One thing to note is that these 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 titles or these roles in some of these companies are very flexible. Like there there weren't official roles. It was like you came on and and everybody's doing you know like what a production intern or what a content intern might do. But then there's also they're also doing you know like six or seven other different assignments. Whatever comes up, especially in a young company, you know that's what you just do. You just do it because you know it needs to be done and. Um, you know, you're not necessarily getting paid for it specifically, and it might not even be your job, but you're getting, yeah, it's just, so you, while you were like, you know, you might say you're a content intern to start, you were doing more than that. And, um, and it kind of was similar for me, I think. Um, but these roles do kind of change and it took a long time even for me to get out of that. Um, it took months before I was, um, out of that intern role and I even took a, a pay cut during the first uh, first few months, um, yeah, from from it was rough. from my very meager uh, salary um, as an intern, working eighty hour weeks at the start um, to to taking a pay cut, and uh, but it got it got better. It got better. Yeah, I'd say it was just like uh, uh, one of those things where it's very obvious that you weren't in it for the money at the time. <laughs> you know, I think both of us were in it because we just really liked what we were doing Absolutely. and we believed in what we were doing. It wasn't because of the pay. I um, mean, obviously, we wanted to be able to get more pay, 
but we were willing to wait for quite a while before anything happened. Because at the time, I think ProGuides was really small. Um, but to be honest, I actually really liked that environment. I like a company that's really small. It's very personal. Um, and I and what's nice about the esports industry is you'll find people very similar interests. So you'll be able to make friends super easily, I think. Um, especially if you're passionate about everything that you're doing with video games. You're going to find people that also like video games and the esports industry. So it's very easy to make friends. And you'll have fun. Um, and I know we spent a lot of time doing stuff at work and we would stay after work just to like play games or something together um and things of that nature so um it was pretty fun um i think in some in some cases we would always go out to eat and things like that and you end up getting a pretty nice personal life from working at esports i believe it's very easy to connect those two um unlike office jobs where you barely talk to each other unless you need to talk to each other um things of that nature um Another thing um, that was kind of troublesome for me, though, was how I went. I think I would probably have done it differently, but how I went about getting a raise. I, I don't know if they were like very willing to pay me much money because uh, I was on like $400, and then they were like, okay, we'll give you $600 a month, which isn't enough if you live in L.A. Like nowhere near a month enough. And I felt like things were going well enough to the point where may hey, maybe I should get you know start getting paid like an actual wage but they wouldn't really give it to me they only raised it up by like eight hundred dollars per month and I was like you know I think we're at the up, point up six six months in what up to eight hundred or eight hundred more no just up to eight hundred so it'd be eight hundred a month and I went through like three different pay raises. It was like six hundred, then a few months later six hundred, and then I think at the six month part it was eight hundred. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Like six months on that much amount of money, there's no way that I'm gonna be able to get off this fucking couch. So I actually kind of had a pretty rough time. I think probably six months in, I ended up like telling them like, hey, I need more money. I really want to try. I think we're doing well here. I love what I'm doing here, but I really got to get off this fucking couch. So I think I had to quit for a little bit because they didn't really offer me any money. And so I actually had to take a stand and I had to quit for a short period of time. And I think they hired me back pretty quickly. I, I forget how much time passed before they hired me back and gave me like, it wasn't a whole lot of money, but it was more money, enough to where it's like, oh, this is like a minimum wage job. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was like a minimum wage job at some point, but it probably didn't happen. Um, Should, it probably was right around the end of summer, while. I'd say. So maybe like, maybe like, uh, was it the same year that you started working that we got moved into that liquor store? Yeah. Yeah, that was the same year. I, we, I worked in the Regis building with... Uh, with y'all for a while but then it just ended up going to the region the the liquor store yeah. those were dark times so i want to give a little bit of context about that um that was like the end of summer we were like uh it seemed like we were cutting back a little bit um it seemed like there was some mild disinterest uh in actually further developing the company like it seemed like we we've made good progress we had yeah. we had a good uh 
a good few months and we were climbing in uh, revenue and climbing and uh, bringing new customers in and people were happy with the service we offered. Um, and it just felt like some people in the company just dis just were a little bit disinterested or maybe distracted is the best way to put it. We got moved out of the, like this big, really expensive office because um, they signed like a contract that was like super expensive for such a young company and, and just a startup scene. It just didn't make sense to be paying that much for a rent, um, even even in LA. And so they were trying to cut back and um, in doing so, uh, at the end of that summer, we, we lost some, might, might have been early fall, we lost some other team members and I'm not sure what the uh, the whole, I think maybe they came on specifically as like summer interns because some of them was going back to school, some one of them went back to work. Um, doing there's a, a bunch of them. Job. Yeah, it was, when I think about it, there's a, there was, we had a great team going, like a really, really good machine going that summer at the end. Yeah, I think the Regis building was very efficient. The way everything seemed like there was a lot more people working, and then all of a sudden they all kind of just left, or they fired them. I'm not sure which. Yeah, so I think, I think some of them had to leave because it was the the end of school. summer, and they were going to be going back to school, and just with the money they were offering and the hours, it just wasn't going to quite balance out to what was made sense to the company. So I think maybe at that point was the same time where that disinterest feel, feeling I got. To, um, I was quite interested still, and, and I know you were. Um, and I think right around yeah. this time when they were seek, like looking for new apartments, new places, uh, when they finally found one, we started, Tyler and I started moving this office into this literally, office. Literally moving everything. We, we were the movers and uh, yeah and it was crazy it was hot because this this was not a, a standard office this was literally a, an apartment above a liquor store the apartment door didn't even have a handle it was just a deadbolt so like during the oh day God, we would just place. shut it and not lock it um, and then lock it it would just be locked at night or whatever uh, when we all the leave. wood was chipped the wood was chipped there was like these uh, there was like this like Wiccan symbols on the corners of the walls and stuff I don't know if you remember that almost like satanic yeah honestly. I, I, I don't know I don't know what went on in that room but you know it was it, as much as you can imagine a a, a a weird like it looked like it was a like a place someone went to just go do meth it was like just just terrible it was a tiny little room with like a window that you couldn't open yeah, and like an air conditioner. That was it. That was it. We had the air conditioner. That was our saving grace, I think, because actually it was. We yeah, we needed that, it. It was so hot, um, but also it was so bad. We were the only two people in there, and we were in there all the time. So like, yeah, uh, during this period of time, I think it was like it wasn't even a month. I think we were in this apartment. I think it was a temporary move till we find moved into the next apartment, to the next uh, building. Yeah, it was a month. But it was the roughest month. It was because, uh, like I mentioned before, everyone kind of seemed disinterested or maybe it was just because they didn't come into the office. But like everybody else who would normally come into the office stopped completely coming to the office. So it was yep. just Tyler and I going in and um, and it was just a little bit frustrating because we felt like we were putting the whole, or at least for me, I felt like I was putting yeah. the whole company on my back. And I, w I didn't feel like I was getting the support from, you know, the, the people who were in charge of the company or, you know, the people who, nope. you know, were there before me, like, which wasn't many people. So it just, it felt a little frustrating for me. And I, I honestly, I don't think I, I handled it uh, the best way. I think I, if there was one thing I, I could have done better is maybe 
when I had these feelings of like kind of discontent or I felt like something was wrong, I didn't really kind of bring that to the, the um, owner of the company and didn't really say, hey, look, this is something I'm a little concerned about and I'm just curious, like, what, what's the plan here? Like, settle my mind. Um, and I, I think if it I would have done awful. that, if I would have done that, maybe it would have been a little bit better. But it was just super weird because, like I said, it was, it yeah. was above a liquor store. It was super unprofessional. It was just us two in there. And it felt a bit like a, work, like a workshop. Like, it just was yeah. like, yeah, it just wasn't. There, wasn't there were a bunch of other people, but they were all working remotely. But for some reason, we didn't work remotely. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they were like, oh, yeah, I'll do it all from home. But for us, it was like, all right. I guess we need to be there. Like, it didn't feel like we should be in there. Uh, I, I don't know. It felt like a little unfair. To, like, I don't know. It yeah, was the, such the room a was better odd... served as a storage room, honestly. If we could, we yeah, it, have it felt like a storage room. They, like, set up... I remember, like, going through all this physical effort to, like, set up all of their desks. Yeah, we set and up they never desks. used it. We set up their desks also. It was like... Yeah, we set up in, all their desks. They came in at the end of the day, they're like, oh, nice, nice. And then they, like... Unpop, they like unplugged it all and like took the computer home and we were just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what just happened? Yeah. None of them. It was like, what's the point of even having an office at this point? Or what's the point of having this room? It's just storage. That's literally what it was. They had like a closet just packed full of all our shit. Hmm. And I remember only like, I don't know if I should say names, but the but the owner pretty much only came in like once or twice. And the only time he did, it was be I feel like it was because he wanted to go to Brews Waffles. That was the only reason why he wanted to come is because I mean, the food. Let's be honest, right that's, that's not a bad reason at all to come in. I, I would have to say. Yeah. That's a pretty the good food was good in LA. The food was fantastic, yeah. the options. And then um, the previous, was right the, next the previous to office, we were, we were right in saw, the Sawtell area, which, man, that's probably the number one food spot for me because having access to all that, like, Korean and Japanese food was just incredible. Yeah, Honestly, that was nice was, um, on the next to the Regis building when it lasted. Yeah, and then uh, and then after that, we moved to a – it's like an – what? how would you describe it, the, the next place we moved into? The, the next place was better. It was down in Venice, and it was, again, like an apartment building, but it was a lot bigger. It was like an apartment, like you would rent out to somebody, like a guest house, kind of, above and a, you would rent it out to people. Garage. It was not bad. I liked the area of that one a lot, actually. I thought that was a nice area. It was beautiful. Um, you could walk to the beach in, like, in 10 minutes, you could walk to the beach. It was a, yeah, a beautiful area. which we didn't do enough. No, we didn't. Uh, we, we went down there occasionally to go to eat on the restaurants by the beach, and we should have done that more. That's one thing that I regret is not doing that more. I think the problem with doing that, though, was the money. Yeah, um, it was kind of expensive still, to eat there because uh, it was a lot yeah, of touristy places, but... It was just the location, but the location was so nice. Yeah, even just, having, opinion, even just like grabbing food at the market and walking down there would have been a better idea, I think, like just to the grass on the beach or something, just to get some more sun and just kind of take in because it was a, it was a beautiful, it's a great area. Yeah, I, I really like that area. Um, it was kind of a pain in the ass for parking because you had to park just randomly on the streets. Mm, um, but it wasn't that. that it wasn't that bad though, honestly. No. Like, there's only a couple of times where I really hated it. Because people trapped me in, and I couldn't get out. Um, the neighborhood was kind of shit at night. But it, during the day, it was still pretty It was pretty amazing. Like, I had no problem walking around the neighborhood. 
but at nighttime I was like, eh, all right, come on, I don't want I want to get to my car and get out of here. Um, but I think I think all around that that little building is when people started to come in. But I also noticed that that it still wasn't an everyday thing. It still didn't feel like the commitment was there. You know. Yeah, definitely. Like, I felt like it wasn't as good. It still was like, I'm going to work home, I'm going to work home. They barely came in. I agree. I, feel like. I definitely agree with you on that. I think it was it was kind of like, it was the first step in them kind of coming back to um, what seemed like they were actually investing their time in. And, and maybe they were working hard from home, and we just couldn't see maybe. it. I honestly... It just didn't feel that way though, because because it the no, it didn't. when they would come in, it would feel like they were disconnected with what we were doing, um, and it yeah. and we were certainly disconnected with what they were doing. So it didn't yeah. feel um, like we were just all putting in the same effort and um, and in it that felt way, like they they did like it gave up and they just were doing other things, but we didn't know what those other things were. It did. It did feel like like maybe they were focused on other projects or they were doing some work outside yeah. of the company, and we just didn't have any you know like any clue what exactly was your role at pro guys can you talk a little bit about that um well at the beginning i think we were at the beginning was only league of legends and we just did league of legends content and at the time i, I still really enjoyed the game and i had a lot of passion for it um this was early on um and what kind of content and, was it? uh just like hero guides, I guess. Uh, we would make all kinds of content. And sometimes I would write like a script and, you know, I would try to uh, make like a guide of some sort, or maybe it could be even more of an entertainment kind of guide. So I guess I would be more of a writer and then I would try to get into uh, the game and get shots. Uh, well, I would make a shot list sometimes too. So I would uh, help write some scripts. I would help with the shot list, and then we would try to uh, record gameplay. And then we'd—I didn't do too much video editing. Uh, I did video editing later, but at the beginning there wasn't really any video editing. But it was just writing and gameplay footage and shot lists, and just focusing on making a bunch of League of Legends videos is basically what it was. And that's while I was an intern. Um, and I think that job kind of pretty much stayed true for a long time. Um, and I, I wouldn't say until recently it really kind of started to be different uh, with Overwatch. Uh, I've definitely taken on a lot more responsibilities with Overwatch. Uh, but before that, it was pretty much just all League of Legends and, and a little bit of Hearthstone of just writing scripts and getting gameplay footage and tiny bit of video editing here and there. And that was basically the job. I don't think I had like a title ever really when I was working there for the first, like, you know, however long it was. Um, but nowadays, uh, I don't know what the title you would give me. I don't know what it would be either. But I basically, I'm in charge of Overwatch. I single-handedly wrote all the scripts for every single hero and all the guides for Overwatch. And then my job right now is basically I manage a couple of editors and I tell them, you know, what what video they need to work on, 
uh, tell them how to edit it, what they need to edit. I help. I still get gameplay shots almost every day. I get gameplay shots still. Um, but it's kind of the same, but with a little bit more responsibility added onto it with uh, managing some people. Cool, cool. So you're you're like a product owner essentially. Like you are the the Overwatch yeah. guy for for pro guides. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, which is which is which is something that I I, I feel a lot of passion. Like I, I do feel really good about what I'm doing because it does. It's about Overwatch, which I love. So I feel like because I'm in charge, I'm taking a long time to do what I need to do, but it's gonna come out like really nice by the end of it. And I feel a lot of passion for what I'm doing. That, that's the one thing that's uh, that's the biggest difference between um, working in this kind of industry is that you will feel passionate about the work that you're doing um, compared to a lot of other things. So even if it's uh, hard work or it's a lot of work, you want to do it, which is a weird feeling that you don't get anywhere else. Um Unless maybe you really wanted to be an office worker, you really wanted to be that guy at the uh, on the computer in the office typing away code or something, a code monkey. Yeah, you really wanted to be at that call center. I think some people are the, like that. It's, yeah, it's true. I think that's really true. Uh, the atmosphere at esports companies is something else. It's really hard to explain until you're in there and you you see it. Mm -hmm. But it, uh, and maybe, you know, I think a lot of tech companies also have it. Some startups also have it, have like a very similar vibe. It was just cool because like you said uh, a little bit earlier, um, you mentioned that, you know, after we finished working, we would game together, you know, everybody, yeah. the content team, the design team, the coding team, and the owner of the company, you know, everybody is on the yeah. same page with that. Every, all of us loved League of Legends, every single one of us. Even the ones yeah. who had never played it before coming into the company, they started loving it, and they, you know, you know, they weren't. In the end, they weren't that bad, and we would all play together. We would like run five man squads and just, like, you know, go hard, like just have a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, a lot of screaming in the office, um, from room to room or whatever, or you know, when we were in the same room, just in the the, the room. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the there was like you know at one point we even. Um, a little bit after we were in Venice, we moved to a uh, place in Mar Vista, uh, like near be between Venice. Yeah, that place was nice. Between Venice and Culver City, and is a uh, that was the probably the best that I when I was there. That was the best place we were. Um, even a little bit better than where when we launched because it was yeah. a bit more of a, a better space for a startup. Um, I had more room. Uh, we had a ping pong table set up in there, which was nice to give everybody like a little bit of a break. That was probably my favorite office of all time was that Venice one. I really liked it. The parking was also pretty good. You only had to walk a little bit, but there was food that you could walk to anywhere nearby. Um, and the place was wide open, uh, wide open enough to have a ping pong table too, you mean which the, was amazing. The, the place in the Mar Vista one, the one that was yeah. after the Venice one. Yeah, the ping pong table in Mar Vista. I liked that one a lot. Um, that one was probably my favorite one. Um, the one that they have now is like too professional, mm. and it's and by too professional it feels too much like a nine to five job. I know that there's someone who I know a couple of people who work there. Um, it's mostly on the developer side of things. They just can't wait until it's six o'clock and that's when they can go home. Like they live they live there, you know, like ten to six, you know, and that's 
how they they work the job they just can't wait to leave at six mm. but when we were there at least in the other places it was like all right we're, we're finally done hey want to play some games hey want to go out and get food you know like it was fun because of that yeah definitely i i and i feel like maybe we experience uh, a unique um a unique time in the development of that company where yeah. like to be honest, like I felt like I was friends with the people in the office. I felt like you yeah. guys were my friends more than you were my coworkers, more than you were exactly. my team. I felt like you were my friends, and I, and looking back on that, I don't know that 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 feeling was shared amongst everyone at the office. Um, but I think yeah. between at least between you and I, and maybe one or two other people, like it seemed it was real. Like like that was, and that was kind of what kept us going. I think was like being able to encourage each other and like share our passion and, and talk about yeah. you know, what's going, what happened in this, this game or, um, you know, like just everybody telling like their crazy stories about how one person on their team just ruined I felt that too. <laughs> what skills do you, would you say that you use most frequently? Like on your day-to-day basis? Like what are some skills? Like skills that have gained from there? Um, skills that, uh, maybe skills that you've gained, but also skills that you utilize or something that, um, somebody who wants to get into esports, maybe this skill might be helpful to them. Yeah, um, biggest one off the top, bad video editing, I think. Um, that was something that I did a little bit of very amateur video editing stuff for your own personal YouTube channel, which I'm sure a lot of people have probably done. Um, one of the biggest things that I've used and learned and gotten better at is video editing. Um, I used to do like Sony Vegas. I think everybody's always done like Sony Vegas, but um, I I was kind of taught, learned how to use Adobe uh, Premiere, uh, and it's been a really good skill for me to learn. And I think it's been very helpful over my course of growing. And it's been uh, it, it's great to put on your resume that you can video edit. Because I think it's so easy. Because once you, once you start doing video editing, it's actually really easy. Like, nothing advanced. But that's been a big skill set that's helped me a lot. Um, another one that I'm kind of recently learning about just now is managing. This is, like, the first time I'm actually, like, managing people. And I've never really had to do it before, even at other jobs. Um, I wouldn't say management is something you would have to learn when getting into esports, but I would say maybe just learn how to deal with people, uh, specifically really young people. Imagine that on that you're basically you're met yet you should have always imagined uh, how to deal with people, but this is like how to deal with young people. You know, gosh, how do I explain this? Hello, fellow kids. Like, you know, like you're, you're, you're trying to, that you're trying to say like inexperienced people or like people who maybe don't have as, yeah, just as much experience, uh, both professionally and in real life. Yeah. Yeah. You should have good, good social, good social skills. Um, being able to deal with people that are really young and have a little bit of naivety, like a little bit of a little naive world views, I would say. Because their world is a lot smaller, their their world views are smaller, so their ideas, although could be really good at times, can be really self-centered. It's it's hard to really, gosh, 
Yes, I, I, I don't know I, what I'm trying to say. I, I think I understand what you're saying. You're not trying to say that they don't know what they're talking about, but you are trying to say, I think, in fact, that you know they're they're inexperienced, and with life experience yeah. comes a lot of perspective. And and you didn't have that perspective at that age. I didn't have that perspective at that age. We were probably very very yeah. similar to these to these you know young people who are wanting to get involved in the industry, but. Now, yes. years later, you have this perspective. You see the, the kind of the end goal and kind of how things are sorted out and worked through, and um, and they don't have that yet. So they're just like eager beaver. They just see something and they go towards yeah. it. See something else and they go towards it. And they're and they're the same, very the same exact one track. And yeah, it just it's, yeah. it just comes with perspective. It comes with time and experience and perspective. And yeah, you get they're really young from investing that time and working. Be able to manage people who are really young. They have really high hopes and really high expectations, but also at the same time aren't willing to put in the work to get there. Um, is my experience so far with the people that I've been managing. Because I'm managing people that are not they're they're below age of eighteen. And they're already like, Man, I can't wait to move out to LA and work in the office with you guys. It's like we never once said anything or talked about that. Also, you still haven't been doing the work that proves that you deserve something like that. You know what I mean? That's like, super interesting. Yeah. I've been dealing with a lot of people that have really, really, really high hopes and high expectations, and but they're underperforming with work. and But they feel as if they're doing amazing. I guess you have to be able to deal with people like that in the esports industry right now because there's so many young people what, what do you, what that do are you very do, ambitious. What do you do as a manager uh, when you experience this? Like, I guess, and I ask you this yeah. because because somebody could be listening to this and maybe they're a young young person and they, they are really passionate and they don't necessarily have that connection with you know like this goal but also like look all i have to do is really work hard for this over time and then i will i'll get there but i have to actually put in that work so how do you as like yeah. a manager um how do you kind of get the best out of, out of those people you know especially young I, people. I think i think you probably wouldn't get the best work out of them with this strategy bye love you but i think i think the best thing that you could do is keep them grounded because it feels almost like they aren't in reality when when some of these things are said by them um obviously they're happy to work for this opportunity and i don't blame them it's a really good opportunity but i think a lot of them just have this 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 idea in their head like oh man in one month i'm gonna be moved across the country and i'm gonna be in that office and everything's i'm gonna get a pay raise you have to stay grounded and you have to tell them like look you you know you're not gonna be like in one month that's unrealistic you're not going to be able to do that in one month people are trying to get ahead of themselves i think you have to keep them grounded i i want to i want to sorry to interrupt i, I want to just tap into yeah. that you said you have to keep them grounded because they have unrealistic expectations um i do want to say that even as like someone in their mid to late 20s like when i was in los angeles um yeah. when i was you know, grinding for pro guides. I was that person at from time to time where I had these like ungrounded expectations, but it was yeah. kind of given, it was passed along to me. So like from time to time I would have, I would be sat down with, you know, the company owner or whatever. And, 
and they'd be con- they'd be talking to me about how this investment round is coming in, and they and they would talk not just with me in private, but they would talk about this very publicly in the office, creating this very yeah. weird um, work dynamic where they're like, "Look, we've got a lot of money coming in. It's you know soon, you know soon, TN trademark, you know like it'll it'll come yeah. in eventually, but you know we just have to keep grinding and working, and we're very close. We're having this conversation, we're having this discussion, and then and then." you get this pay raise. And then it's like, in your mind, it's like, and you're like, oh, I can afford to splurge on this because guess what, in just a month, I'm gonna be making all this more money. And and man, like even for me, someone who's like pretty well um, uh, minded, like financially, like I try to not spend too much on random things. Like I, yeah. that got put me in a place mentally where I was like, I was a little bit looser with the amount of money I was spending. and. And that was something yeah. that I honestly struggled with the, the whole time I was in Los Angeles. Not just that, but I mean, money as a whole, because I went from making very, very, very little to making, you know, minimum wage. And that was like, even at the end there, I think we were just making like minimum wage considering the hours we were putting in. At yeah. Least, at least me. Considering the hours, um, minimum wage. Um, and it, it just, uh, I became like a, I became very similar to what you were talking about, about that young mentality that, you know, like kind of ungrounded and, but that, I mean, yeah. that's, that's also can be, um, it's very, you have to be careful because like, I think as management, um, and you're not even like, um, you're not upper management. Um, so oh. like, so there's a good possibility that they've had conversations with, and I'm not saying they have or haven't, but, um, oh, there's good chance that they've had conversations with people above you in the company and um, and you don't have to even comment on this but this is just something I'm thinking and that thought gets put into their head like that thought got put into mine and I know that they've raised around recently um, yeah and it's true and I I think that that is part of that mentality and it's very tough as middle management this is what I experienced to keep your team happy when these ideas keep getting thrown in from above, but then there's not a direct line of communication to you and it's not a constant flow. It just, there's, there's a, a disconnect between um, the ownership and the people doing the work. And that's true. And that's, if, if, that's, if there's one piece of advice that I could give to the owners of the company and the people running the, the top of pro guides, it would be really just listen more to your team and talk talk to them like on, on a daily basis just be be more upfront be clearer be uh, be honest and don't overhype things because it's always like it's always just like just like we talked about it's either they're super engaged and super excited or they're just in their office doing their work or in their you know working remotely just dis apparently mm-hmm. disinterested like what it looked like to us so it's like yeah you need we just need a balance and I think a lot of that comes with experience. Um, some, like the, for instance, the owner of the company was very, very young when he started the company. Even when, when I left the company, man, he was super. I think when I left, he was 22 or so. He just turned 22 or something. And, um, but he had had so much experience. But it was he still was very young. Didn't have a lot of life experience. So some of the communicate the the better ways to communicate with people, especially people that you are working with or who are working for you they didn't exist yet. So hopefully that's something that they can develop and maybe focus on and, and you know, provide you know, better support to their, to their team, to the people that work with the company. Cause I mean, they want the company to grow. 
Yeah, I think that's a big issue because, um, for all I know, they could be telling these these kids anything, and that's why they're the way that they are. And I would have no idea unless I go to them and like, hey, did you tell him you promised you were going to move him out to L.A. and work in the office if he did X, X, and Y? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's no communication a, a, between that. That's a uh, big. That's a big jump, especially for you know so, you're talking yeah. about someone young, someone you know, like seventeen or yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, things like that are really nice promises that could be motivating, and I can understand motivating someone. Uh, and I think motivating is good, but I think you got to stay grounded, and that's the problem with a lot of the things that I'm hearing these people say. None of these expectations are too realistic um in my opinion especially for what they're doing and the amount of work that they're putting in um i don't know because they were working before i started managing them so i can only imagine whoever they were working under before this gave them some pretty unrealistic expectations and but now they've taken it to heart um and that was a problem that i had at game leap where not just at ProGuides, but at GameLeap, they gave me and fed me all kinds of unrealistic expectations. And I was hesitant to really believe it, but I also, deep down, when you're told these things, you want to believe them. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta try and stay grounded with these expectations if people try to promise you all these good things, because... Typically, I would say that they're not always very realistic and they might not always happen unless you're working for a company that's like really big. And like if you're working for CLG or TSM or Team Liquid, then maybe those promises are true. I don't know. Those people are like, that's like legit. You know what I mean? Like those companies are legit. Tier one, you know, top level organization. Exactly. We're like, we're talking about the tier three scene. For for esports, I believe, right? This is like the tier three scene. I'd say tier two, um, two to tier twelve, whatever exists below tier one. It's everything below the top top tier. Yeah. It's yeah can be brought into question. It's it's not volunteer. I guess a volunteer would be tier three. Tier two is like not quite team liquid, but hey, you're still getting paid. Probably. Um but like at Game Leap, they pro- they're they're based in um in, in Europe as well uh bulgaria i believe something like that and they promised hey after this contract is over we'll get you and move you out to europe and you could work with us in office in europe and i get all these kind of promises right yeah and that didn't happen so that's basically what i'm saying i think we've all experienced some sort of motivate or something that was meant to motivate you to work harder but in the end, it ended up just kind of being BS. And that's what it, that's what it was, really. It was a bunch of BS. Um, and it was meant to motivate you. Um, and as, from a manager's perspective, I feel like people might be motivating. There, there is that communication line that's very important between you, management, and then the people above management. And the people above management, the owners and stuff like that, the top brass, they usually always give out false promises. Is That's just what I've noticed. In, in our experience, anyways. Like that's, My experience, you know, yeah. It, it, I've it, experienced it's, it. It's not even necessarily yeah. a promise because, you know, to be fair, I've been told, like, hey, look, this is not a sure thing. But, and then it's like, 
here's here's all these great things that you know could potentially happen if this works out and hey look you know i don't want to say it to everybody but it's gonna happen it's just a matter of time but we just have to get this work done we have to do this one more thing we have to do this one more thing and then yeah so it's but there's there are little comments that come through that are like hey but it's not a sure thing but it's like yeah the way it's hyped up even if you say it's not a sure thing the way you've just hyped it to me makes me feel like i I get the, the the endorphin kick or whatever, you know, like in my brain mm-hmm. that says, this is a possibility. In fact, this is becoming reality, even if it's not real yet. And so yeah. it's very, very tough to stay grounded, um, like you said, when there is that disconnect between upper management and management or, you know. You're, you're going to get a lot of promises. That's, that's what I've experienced at different companies. They like to promise you a lot of things. Um, and I think it's because they want you to keep working but without actually giving you a reward just talk about a reward it's like a very snake weasel kind of disgusting way to do it because it's it's you're basically telling people to to work harder and do all this stuff because don't worry you're going to get that promotion you're going to get it don't worry but at the end of the contract it's kind of like oh that's uh, probably not really happening and reality doesn't kick in until after you're done with whatever they want you to do it's just kind of it, it just feels like some sort of sick and twisted motivation is how it feels it feels like empty promises i think that's one thing that i've noticed from this scene is a lot of people give empty promises promises maybe not empty maybe they intend to do it but they're not able to uphold it at the end of the day at the end of the day they can't finish what they promised um, or they give some some sort of excuse and say, "Nope, you got to keep waiting." Some sort of excuse, you got to keep waiting. Um, and that and that's one thing you got to stay grounded because your brain is gonna want to believe everything they tell you. That's for sure. You'll want to believe every little thing that they tell you. So, so that, like, you got to make sure you stay grounded. Turn, yeah, turning that into like a, the piece of advice, like just that's just it. Just stay grounded. Stay, you know, keep keep grinding. You know, keep doing your work, but also stay grounded mentally and and uh, emotionally. Like don't 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 get yeah. on, don't get on that hype train. It's okay to be to be hopeful. It's okay to have goals for the company for yourself, but but don't you know don't get caught up in the hype because it it can be super detrimental to you know your finances to your expectations to even actually you know developing professionally it can it can definitely hinder you it, it can hurt emotionally too that's for like, sure I, I i saw that yeah. and it, it it happened to me if i'm from what i saw it happened to you and it happened to others um you know that i've worked with as well um but yeah i think i think just staying grounded is is fantastic advice I think that um, I think that when you uh, like when when I was working for Gamely, they promised me they'd move me out to Europe and uh, the contract will will stop and it'll just be like full time work. And then as soon as and I did amazing work there, I think I improved their viewership by nine hundred and thirty seven percent on their YouTube channel. <laughs> Not even kidding. And and at the end of the contract, they're like, oh, yeah, sorry. No, it just wasn't working out. It wasn't worth the time. It wasn't worth the investment. We're not moving you out. And we don't want to renew your contract unless you take half your pay. The return on it. I was like, you kidding me? 900% just not good enough. We I literally upped your viewership by 937%. You're telling me it didn't work out. What do you mean? 
it's not you, and, man. It's it's us. It's not you. It's us. Yeah. And then they said, uh, we can do another contract, but you're going to take literally half the pay. I was like, well, obviously I don't want to do that. So, so when Pro Guides had their offer, I was like, all right, let's talk more about that offer that you guys had for me. Yeah. Uh, because they, the Game League people, they gave me all kinds of empty promises. And I don't know if they were trying to play hardball with me or what, but it was very clear as soon as the contract was over, even though the work was put in and the results were there, they did not want to own up to any of their promises. They didn't want to renew my contract. They didn't want to give me any new... They wanted to give um, me a raise. And they didn't want to bring me out to Europe. And instead, they wanted to cut my pay in half. And they didn't want to do anything else. And that's that was the deal. They literally wanted to cut my pay in half. Because they didn't think it was worth it. Even though I, you eye up the viewership that much. Um, and that was the biggest problem with me with Game Leap. I, I felt like it was all empty promises. And I believed them. Um... But at the same time, I knew that the contract was ending, and the contract was short. It was a short contract, so I wasn't too worried about it. I was like, I can make this commitment. I'm going to commit to this contract. I'm going to get it done, do the best I can. And even if their promises are a bunch of bullshit, I'm going to feel good about the work that I did there. Um, and I do feel good about all the work that I did at Game League, but it's all on YouTube, and I feel great about every single YouTube video that I made. Um, and I gave them a shit ton of viewership. Hmm ton of subs a ton of viewers they were only at 600 subs when i started and i brought it up to like 15k i don't know what the Jeez. percentage of that is but that's a ton too i'm sure <laughs> that is that's fantastic um, growth dude and only a span of three months so i was pretty happy with that in three months i got them 15,000 subs bunch of views i mean that's incredible got, if you think about it. that if you put that if you put those statistics on any application on for like you know uh, a channel manager for youtube or you know like a content creator or something like that anybody would be very happy with that um i think yeah. that yeah. you'd i mean that in itself can land itself can land you a job in the future you know if you change you know direction or something like it just that's very very um positive on your resume man that's just good on you and I, I i remember seeing all the work you were putting in man i was watching all those videos and they were long but dude i was watching the entirety of them because they were in-depth guides you were breaking down plays decision making high yeah. level like it just that is the kind of content that people really like to see and i mean i, I honestly even learned some from it not just about overwatch but <laughs> I actually i i definitely learned a lot about overwatch and like for one like your lucio play is fantastic and look Thank I you. actually start enjoying. I have enjoyed playing Lucio since watching your guide on him. Um, but beyond that, even just like about how to like, um, like your the way you um, directed that like that that whole um, guide, like the style yeah. of the guide, anyways, like the way that you broke it down. Like I I've taken from that. I've um, like learned from that. So, uh, man, you did great work there. That's it. I appreciate it. That, that was definitely, if you can imagine all the bad experiences of Pro Guides, I, I feel like all those empty promises hurt me, like, a lot. Um, and that's one of the things that I try to do when I, as a manager. I don't try to give those promises, because I know on the receiving end, after it doesn't happen, how bad it feels after the work that you put in. Hmm. Um, the problem that I have with uh, the people now is that um, a lot of these empty promises that have been made to them, I'm guessing, um, they're not putting in the work for it, though, which is something weird. 
Um, and I don't know how to respond to people that are, oh man, I can't wait for this, or I can't wait for this positive promotion type thing. But yet, it feels like, I don't know if they think that the work they're doing is amazing or work, but sometimes the work that people are doing is not at all the effort that needs to be put in to get the things that they need. Um, I think there was a quote that somebody made. It was like, um, or something I saw, I forget what it was, but I remember this guy, these two people talking in this video, financial video or something like that. And it was like, I really want to have, uh, I really want to be able to vacation three months or four months of the year. What was it? Maybe it was six months. I want to be able to vacation half the year and then only work half the year. And the guy was like, you want a 1% vacation? You got to do a 1% amount of work. Like, if you want to have the 1% type of lifestyle, you need to put in the type of 1% type of work. You need to put in the kind of effort and work that is equivalent to those kind of things. Because mm. if you don't, then you're just setting yourself up for these really high expectations that you'll never be able to reach. That's a, that's a good line. That's a, that's a very good um, little bit of motivation, I think, in it, uh, it allows yeah. people to really kind of get a direction. Yeah, you have to, even if you think that was good work, there are people out there that could do the same work and they would have done it better. And you got to look at yourself kind of in the, well, you got to look at it as like in a more competitive nature because esports is highly competitive, very competitive. It's so hard to get a job in esports now because of how many people there are just like you. You think you're the only person that likes video games? Everybody loves video games. And you know how easy it is for to, to apply to these jobs? Like It's almost open to so many people that the competition is insane. So you got to be highly competitive. You got to try and put in the extra mile to really get noticed and to get hired. It's super interesting that you, that you mentioned that because... Um something I, I had been considering for a while is uh, is like would I be satisfied taking a job outside of esports because now the um, I think the industry is so engaging you can there's so much more content to consume you can be satisfied as a consumer without actually working in the industry so I was considering like man is 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 it really worth it to continue like this you know this very you know might be not the best financial position you know, taking these jobs that you know yeah. put, put me um, that don't necessarily climb my you know salary or my um, or my personal um, worth net worth or something like that. Like, would I be satisfied? Should like basically the balance between should I continue on this path where I I don't have a guaranteed growth in as far as salary goes, but I'm learning a lot professionally. I'm really enjoying the work, or would I rather uh, jump into something that's non esports that you know pays more is maybe a little bit more stable and um, and then just enjoy spending my free time and my money on that you know that little extra I have on you know trips to esports events or you know uh, gaming more often and whatever like I feel like now um, I th I think like I said coming back to what you were saying like like I decided like I was willing to put in that extra work I do want to work in the industry. Um, I do want to, um, you know, continue and grow the industry and, you know, contribute what I can. 
um, and continue to learn. I think I think I have a ton to learn still from the industry and from you know other people who maybe come from other industries but are now in esports. I think um, yeah, I just think that it. I, I had to make that decision and you know I'm I'm continuing on that path and uh, maybe some people have to really consider that because um, yeah like you said it's yeah. not it's not all you know it's not only positive positivity you know like I mean there's a lot of sacrifice man like you talked about the sacrifices you made and that was a question I wanted to ask is like what is maybe the biggest sacrifice you've made um, you know like on your in your you know mission to work in esports and you talked about you know moving across the country leaving all the things you knew behind because you know and for years like you left your belongings there in ohio for years in a storage bin and you know your relationships with your best friends you know i left my best friends in in michigan and moved to los angeles and you know like i still regularly contact them like as much as I can but it's not the same as seeing them or you know like being able to go hang out with them on a regular basis um it's just it takes on a totally different dynamic and man the sacrifices that you make are real um would you say that that was the biggest sacrifice you've made or um you know like what did um I, I think I think the biggest sacrifice for me was the well you know, it, it's hard to say. I think, I think the the quality. May, would it be called? Mm, I, I would say the biggest sacrifice might might be the quality of life, because there are so many different things here in LA. Um, it's it's kind of like one of those things where it seems like really bad at first, but in the end, it's so much better in the long run. But short term, there's a lot of negatives. Um. It's 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 risky. You don't know if you're gonna get a job. You don't know if you're gonna get a nice place. You don't know anything about where you're going. You don't know anything around you. You don't know any people. Um, so your quality of life in the very beginning is is very different. Because um, if like if you stayed in Ohio, you you know what to expect. You know who's there. You know where to go. You have friends. You have people to rely on. As soon as you make that move, all of that is gone pretty much so your quality of life is really poor in the beginning um you're gonna have this new place it might not be ideal you might have bad roommates um you might not have a great place to sleep you might be on a couch you won't have friends that you can rely on you won't have your parents well maybe not my kids because my parents <laughs> i had i had a, a mom and a sister that live in la but for a lot of people they're not going to have that and they're not going to be able to have something to fall back on when things go wrong. Um, having that friend that that you can hang out with and talk to about it and go over to their place and sleep if something wrong happens. Same thing with a parent. Like there's always that. Like in the back of your mind, when you 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 kind of always go, well, I guess I could always move in back with my parents if something wrong happens. Which is a lot of, um, which is what a lot of people have as a fallback plan. And as soon as you make that change, you don't have that fallback plan really anymore. So everything about your your quality of life kind of changes, um, and you make all these sacrifices. And the thing is, after you do it, it's really hard to come back. Um, I think you have to make the commitment. I told myself like I would never really go back. Because if I go back, then that means I would be kind of doing a 180 
on my own personal development as a person. I think that as soon as you try to like take a step backwards, it's really hard to try and take a step forwards. So in order to continue going forwards, you really have to kind of cut off friendships, um, which is something that I've done. I've cut off a lot of friendships because, one, I'm not there anymore. I'm not able to hang out with them anymore. And it's too much time to try and connect with them across the country. Um, it's, it's too difficult. But also, one thing that I've noticed is that the people, like, they have a different kind of life over there that they're used to. So you don't really get to talk to them unless it's the weekend anyways, usually. So, But most of the time, I think, yeah, you just got to be prepared to, to cut off a lot of what you have and, and sac- not really sacrifice it, but just, I mean, yeah, you, you just have to be prepared to sacrifice some relationships and, and you, you just have to really not be able to look back. You have to just keep moving forward. Uh, you are exactly correct. Once you take that step back, it is very hard to, to move forward again. Uh, especially yeah. if you surround yourself with people who are not also on the same page. Um, yeah. And who don't maybe recognize the value in what you're doing or don't recognize the full potential. I think it's very difficult because they can't give you the encouragement that you that you need or even be a listening ear because it's really going into, like, empty ears, if that makes sense. It's really hard. Uh, that's, that's the biggest thing. It's really hard to... to, to to get on track and sometimes you have to sacrifice some relationships in order to really do it because um i think once you you have a relationship like if you have a really good friend you enjoy spending time with them all this time and uh doing all kinds of things together you'll realize that you're kind of stunting your own growth and productivity a little bit um i know that that could happen if if like I had a really good friend and every time we'd wanted to hang out, we always want to do something. And it was so fun that and this could probably happen with, you know, like a girlfriend or boyfriend, like you, you, you love them so much that you sacrifice your career for them. But you got to be careful with those things. Sometimes you got to look at your career because your career is, it's, I mean, for most people, it's probably going to be for a long time, right? It's going to be for the, almost the rest of their lives. Not everybody's going to be able to somehow get rich and not have to work a day in their lives. Uh, a lot of people have to do that, unless you're that lucky 1% or something. So you're going to have to try and make some sacrifices for work, because work is probably where you're going to spend most of your time, I think. Um, which is why it's such a hard thing to figure out what you want to do when you're in college. Um, esports is a great thing if you want to work in it for the rest of your life. I think it's a lot of fun, and but you have to be ready to take some commitments to it and some sacrifices in your personal life in order to dedicate more time to it. Um, if you don't, then you're never going to get anywhere in esports either. Um, if you're very ambitious and you're looking to to work at a really nice company, you have to work really hard, and you have to be able to slap your name on some things take responsibility for a lot of things even when they go wrong but that also means that you can take responsibility for the things when they go right and when things go right and that's what you're looking for you're looking to be able to get that and hopefully put it on your resume so you can apply for something bigger bigger opportunity so eventually you can make it to the tier one thing 
Because I think that's what everybody's goal is, is ideally to get to the tier one scene somehow. Hmm. Mm, great, great advice there. Great, great overall insight, I think. Which roles are maybe like most in demand in esports? You talked a little bit about like um, your skill being editing, being that it, it was super yeah. duper useful. But as far as um, roles and positions, what do you what are you seeing most of? I mean, like if you're um, oh, keeping yeah. track still. Um, I think the biggest thing is video editors. Um, maybe I'm biased because that's literally all Pro Guides does now is just create videos, right? So it's just tons and tons of video editors. I think video editing probably the largest thing in demand when it comes to this kind of esports i mean every esport has creates videos for youtube twitter and instagram and i think that's the highest thing in demand is video editors um I, I just being add, able what's up i just want to add to that um and yeah. even even like social media management like now those people who are being hired in those positions are being required to have you know video editing experience because it's so important. Yeah, I think I think everything you do is, requires video editing. Um, and if you don't know video editing, uh, I highly recommend picking up Adobe Premiere, not Sony Vegas. And I, I, in my experience, that's what everybody uses. Um, and that's basically a skill that everybody kind of expects you to do. You don't have to be amazing. You just have to be able to understand the basics. You know, that's all you got to do. And I, I think that's probably the most important skill. Um, or ra rather the most in demand skill. If you're looking to break out in an entry level position, video editing is probably the easiest and most in demand. Um, there is a good demand of people who are looking for writers. I think writers is really popular as well. How would you recommend people coming into the industry, you know, maybe they're huge into gaming and they've seen the industry grow a little bit and they see new opportunities, um, but maybe they're not super sure, like, how do they get started? Like, where do they gain their experience? Yeah, um, I think the best thing that you could do is look for internships, and there are plenty of internships. The problem is... I mean, if you go to Hitmarker and you look at all the job boards, you are going to find no end to the amount of people doing volunteer and intern unpaid internship jobs. They're everywhere. So I recommend doing that. But the problem is, is being able to do it. You have to be at a point in your life where you're able to live at home with your parents or something to do it because you're not going to get any money. So you kind of have to have a good relationship with your parents and tell them, hey, I'm going to take this job or this internship, but I'm not going to be making any money. So I'm going to need some of your help, financial support. You know, That's the hardest thing about it. Internships is definitely the easiest way to get into the industry, and it's very easy to get one. They can be highly competitive, um, but the biggest thing about it is you just have to make sure that you're in a spot where you can go Probably, I would say, like three to six months without making any money or below $600 a month or something like that. You know, like some absurdly low number to no money is what you're looking at. So you have to be in a place where you can commit the time and you don't have to really worry about your financial situation. But it's really difficult to do that unless 
you're really young and you're like at home with your parents still. That's probably the only like real kind of situation that's going to work out for you, I think. Yeah, I think that's I think that's quite true. I think the internships in the industry are the best way to get involved. Um, I'd say that another way to do it is to just start on your own. I think that that was the advice given to me. Uh, I went to uh, my first esports, like professional esports event, um, and I got a chance to speak to a lot of production team, a lot of casters, some of the players, some like content creators in the scene. Um, and the number one thing they just said, they all echoed it was just start creating, just do it yourself because everybody who was there had started that way. And so that kind of inspired me to get involved um, with esports. That was like the moment for me. And um, from there, I started like a little bit of a esports blog called it DetroitEsports.com um, and just started like shooting up or hitting up people on uh, um, shooting messages to people on Twitter. Uh, just like asking, hey, can I get an interview? And it was like team managers or just like players, just like challenger level, you know, like this was before there was an academy level, but that this is players who were like maybe in the L, um, the championship series below the LCS, um, trying to climb into the LCS uh, and super attainable. So I'll tell you what, social media is the best way to come in contact with people. If you are a writer, if you are trying to just create your own content, that is a that's a huge resource because people people want to get their story out. People want that publicity, and if you're willing to offer it to them for free, and you know it's you can provide the you know good enough terms as far as like their schedule wise. You know maybe you just shoot them the, the questions through an email, and they're able to respond or, or not. Um, I think yeah, if you're flexible, they're more than willing to, to help you and, and give you some content to create. So for me, it was it was that it was just creating some articles, some news pieces. And that just helped me launch into other roles into like, you know, free writing gigs for SK Gaming or the Collegiate Star League, um, which led into my, my work with Pro Guides. So I think it's just, yeah, those internship roles or, or just creating something, um, you know, whether it's, it's an edit, what, you know, whether you're creating uh, videos on your YouTube, like highlight videos or something else. I think, I think those are the, the best two options is, internships and creation just just do it as they say just yeah. do it just have to do it as uh, uh shia shia labu whatever you say his name <laughs> shia labeouf yeah shia labeouf i don't yeah. know how you say it yeah exactly okay so so we've talked i think one of the last things i really wanted to, to kind of go over was um, networking like uh, not just like you know making friends who also love to game but also like um, networking with people in the industry or like staying involved with um, yeah just like getting getting what you have to say out there but also having people listen to it what do you think is the the best way to like network with people in the industry or what have you found to work or not work or has, is this something you even consider uh, to be honest, I'm I'm really bad at networking. Um, <laughs> I think I think I'm probably very. Um, I think I think the word for it is like an introvert. You know, like I'm very shy. I'm very bad at meeting new people. Um, I'm pretty bad at doing that whole thing. I think that maybe. Um, I mean, I know for a fact other people do it better than I do. 
Um, the only way I'm really good at networking is I just try not to burn any bridges. Um, even after Game Leap gave me this horrible deal, they basically backtracked on all of their, their, their word and told me all kinds of stuff, you know, that I didn't want to hear. Um, I still had a smile on my face when I told them, thank you for the opportunity. Um, I would not like to sign another contract. I'm going to try to pursue some other stuff. And I just tried to end everything on a positive note. So that maybe in the future, maybe I'll work for them again. Just like with Pro Guides, I'm working with them again after quitting. Uh, you know, I just try not to burn any bridges. As much as you want to tell someone to go fuck off, try to keep it to yourself. And instead, just say, thanks for working with you. I had a great time. Uh, sorry it didn't work out. And maybe in the future, something will happen. You know? Maybe eventually those people, the owners, are going to get together and be like, oh, hey, you ever heard of this guy? Maybe they'll talk positively about me in the future, ideally. I, I think that's a, that's a really, really great point. Um, and I think that's not just an esports thing. I think that's great in life in general, not to burn bridges. Um, but and especially, especially in esports, because it is a young space. It is, um, you know, constantly growing. And people are always starting new projects, new businesses, new organizations. And you never know when somebody you worked with at one organization is going to be at a new one and maybe they're creating a new product and they need, you know, a new editor or a new project manager or something or a coach or, or whatnot. You never know. And then if your name gets thrown out there, if you go out in a, you know, a flaming glory, you know, telling people to, to, to fuck off or whatever, like you're not going to be the number one, you know, consideration anymore. But if you haven't and, and you took it, you know, you took it well and you, you know, treated them with respect because, you know, even if you had negative things to say about people, man, you know, there's, there was a lot of positive as well. Uh, let's be honest. Um, when you really take a step back and consider the perspective. So just create, you know, just create potential for opportunities in the future for yourself by not burning these bridges. I think that is yeah. huge, man. That's, that's such yeah. good insight. Um, I do want to kind of add my own little take on this as well, like as far as networking. Um, for me personally, Twitter was uh, and is probably the number one, although the algorithm currently is so weird, I, I'm kind of losing my taste for it because I keep getting like notifications from people that I'm not following and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not actually being commented to or sent tweets to or whatever. I just, I've, I've lost track of my actual feed because it's just, I don't know. I think that's a common um, issue right now, but but as far as like networking with people in esports, I found that Twitter is very useful because if you, unlike professional sports, like if you were to tweet out at you know like some professional sports athlete Tom Brady or you know like Cristiano Ronaldo or or whoever, I think you you, you would never expect them to respond or even like your tweet, but. And esports, that that's a totally different game, man. You can tweet Doctor Disrespect. You can tweet, uh, you know, like Darshan. You can tweet uh, Andy Din, you know, like owner of TSM. You can tweet Jack, owner of Cloud Nine. You know, like they'll respond. They'll meme the shit out of you, and you know, and you'll love every moment of it. And you know, man, that's just that gets you even more hyped. Um, I think to to be involved and further. Uh, and further connect with people um, but not only is that like interaction positive people you know some of those uh, some of those people I mentioned you know you, you might not have conversations with those people 
But everybody, like some of the players, some of the, the coaches in the scene, uh, the analysts, the people creating content in the scene, these are all people who are, and editors especially, these are all people who contribute heavily on social media and they're looking for interactions and if you provide them with some, they'll provide you with some back. And not only that, you create uh, connections that way. So, um, man, it's just, it's a great tool for connecting in esports, I think. And I think people need to utilize it as such and not just as like, oh, I'm not on this social, this particular social media because, you know, I don't see the use in it. But for me, it was, I never really used my, I had it, I think I had Twitter for like eight years or six years or something before I even used it more than like maybe a handful of times. And then once I got into esports, I, I essentially use it to, to follow esports. And so I could get a lot of news off of there between there and Reddit and, uh, and just, yeah, use it as a resource. For, so for me, that that's huge. And then other than that, I think just like uh, volunteering, I think that is probably an, my other best way to really network and um, just, I've done some like free writing or free content creation for different organizations. And, and I think that that, that opens doors. Um, for instance, uh, I started working, I did a little bit of work uh, this last few months with uh, the Pittsburgh Knights, um, and I just created some Apex content, um, just like a, some tips and tutorials, and, and uh, That's really cool. And, you know, like, and then it's just like a, a foot in the door kind of thing, and it's not like my end goal is to work with this or that organization in particular, but, uh, you know, like, becoming friends, or not even friends, but acquaintances with their team members and um, people I'm working with, you know, it, it potentially could open doors in the future. So, and it's it's good to, to be involved in, in you. Um, yeah, I think it just, it opens doors and that's the, the biggest part. Super important. I think you've always been better at uh, networking than me. I don't have a very good personality for it. I like to keep to myself. I'm very introvert. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it, it's quite interesting. Uh, I think, yeah, I'm a bit of like an introvert. What, how, how do I say? I don't know the best way to, to describe it. I think I'm an introverted yeah. introvert, or maybe an introverted introvert, which is like <laughs> I, I don't really know how to yeah. describe it. But like I always feel a little uncomfortable uh, interacting with people like IRL or like in real life. Like for the first couple times, I'd say. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not always, but yeah. a lot of the times. And then, uh, but if, if I'm online, I mean, well, I think the I think that reduces your your nervousness or your I'm sure that's not just me, but uh, the ability to interact with somebody online is substantially less uh, taxing on your stress levels or like your mindset. I think much more uh, easy to maintain that. I think that that conversation or that connection there. Um, but yeah, I just I'm probably a little bit more out, outgoing maybe. But I think that uh, I think both both personality types have a, a solid place in esports because you're not the only person who who feels like that. Yeah, it's it's tough for a lot of people this day and age. I think uh, a lot of people grow up uh, playing video games and not going outside too often, and so they have all. They probably are very similar uh, in that regards, where they probably don't have uh, great of a time socializing with other people unless it's online. Um, so that is that is a hurdle for a lot of people. I think trying to get into the esports industry, they have to try and learn some social skills i think i'm good enough socially but i'm not comfortable with it but i i think i'm at the point where you might not be able to tell 
You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I can hide it, I guess, that I'm not, like, having a g- good time at this party. I just want to go home. The music's too loud. But you'll never know. I'll, I'll have a good time. Uh, well, I'll, I'll make it look like I'm having a good time and we're having fun because I don't want to ruin your fun by looking like I don't, I'm not having any fun. Um, so that's something that you'll have to learn probably, mm. but in a business sense, I guess. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Well, Hey dude, uh, this has been a, like a really, really fantastic conversation. I think we've yeah, yeah. just over a little two hours. I do want to ask you one more thing though. Um, I want to. In what is like in a very like quick way in a succinct way, how do you land a job in esports and contribute to the industry you love for somebody uh, somebody who really wants to do it? I think for someone who really wants to do it, they they have to do a little soul searching first and figure out what they want to do in esports. There's a lot of different things you can do now. Um, it's not just limited to one thing there's all kinds of unique different versions of esport companies kind of popping up everywhere um, a lot of them are going into tech so if you really enjoy creating you know cool things with tech or some kind of new way to consume or for consumers to have you know that kind of esport whatever they want in esports um, you could try to pursue it in different ways um, I think if you're like minimum, you're just you want to play, you want to do esports no matter what, but you don't know what to do. I think you want to learn how to video edit. I think video editing is probably the key to just getting your foot in the door, and you can always learn skills later on um, that can help you get promoted upwards because um, you can always get better at video editing, but. Nowadays, you could be a writer, you could be like a personality, you could work in coding and tech, you could work in social media and and learn how the best way to get the most views are. Um, You can be even consultants, you can be editing, like not not video editing, but like editing like scripts, like writing, like a whatever you call that, you know, where you edit just writing. or you could be, you could try to pursue being really good at the video game to to just be kind of like like a pro who's able to create content for uh, for other people. There's a lot of lot of things that you can look into to get better at. But the best way to do it is to do it. Don't sit around and think about doing. Just do it. I need to get better at video editing. I need to do. I need to do this to get better at it. Just make a video. Make a stupid YouTube video where you have to edit a little bit. Uh, don't just talk about doing it. You have to do it. And then after you think that you have a couple of skills uh, at, at the point to where you can do it well enough that you can do it every single day, that's when you put that skill on the resume. And that's when you go to the job boards, you go to hit marker, and you just you got to look and find any sort of work that you can. Um, even if you don't think that the fit is for you, I would still apply to it because maybe you can still get hired and, and learn the skill while you're there and then you can find a new job after that and now you have a new skill that you get a new skill set so yeah just do it don't don't sit around and wait for something to happen that's my biggest advice great man uh i appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today and uh that's no problem my as my guest numero uno on my podcast (laughs) uh 
been a pleasure. Uh, is there anything else you would like to say? Anybody you'd like to thank? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I think I just, uh, I, I know there's a lot more that I would like to say, but uh, maybe for another time, uh, yeah, not yeah. on podcast. I, yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, definitely we can continue this conversation off the air as well. Um, one last thing, just had a thought in my head. Is there anybody in esports that you look up to? Uh, I don't know if this is technically eastward. I, I look at the Jeff Kaplan. Jeff Kaplan's my idol. Um, I actually love him. Not only has he created Overwatch, he also created uh, one of my other favorite games of all time, which is classic World of Warcraft. And I am more than excited to get back to playing that game once it get releases in August. Jeff Kaplan is my idol and hero. Um, my dream job is to eventually work at Blizzard and somehow work with him. That's That's my dream. Wow, man, that's that's beautiful. I think you'll get there. I'm excited to see uh, that day when it happens, and then I, I think when that does happen, uh, I might utilize you as a you know as a way to for sure get tickets at BlizzCon because you know the last few years it's been a little bit difficult. Yeah, uh, Jeff Kaplan. I don't know if you can do anything about that, but you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I, that's the dream. I don't know how to get the Blizzard, but uh, that's that's the goal, anyways. That's the that's the touchdown. Trying to get there. That's cool. It's yeah. what everything is working towards. Absolutely. At the moment. And that's that's great that you have that and you're driven and you're working towards that because I've seen I've seen a lot of um, I've seen a lot of development in your own not in just your professional life but in your personal mindset and the way that you kind of uh, handle things, especially the way you've kind of just talked about um, you know transitioning into a management role and the things you've been learning. I think yeah. that, that it's a tremendous step from. Uh, even when we first met, um, even just like yeah, a that's all new. years ago. So, man, just keep yeah. going, and you'll you'll land that Blizzard job for sure. Um, Hopefully, and down the line, you know, it's you know, and I'm sure there'll be some fun projects you'll be working on too. So, hopefully, okay. I'm, that's I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. Definitely. Um, well, Tyler, thank you so much again for uh, for tuning in. Um, you can follow you can follow Tyler where Tyler where can people follow uh, at Artori Gold on Twitter or on Twitch it's slash Artori Gold um, and you can also go to YouTube and search Artori Gold and you can find the gameplay videos even though I don't work there anymore I am really proud of all the videos that I've made there as well awesome awesome well thank you so much uh, and thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, you know, whoever ends up watching this first episode, probably not too many, but uh, you can follow Tyler at Art Gold, and you can follow uh, this uh, journey in the future as well. We're going to continue bringing you um, just insights from people working in the esports industry, hopefully, um, and hopefully maybe give you some inspiration or give you some perspective that you didn't have before. Um, thanks again, and we'll see you guys next time. See you. I want to thank you all for listening. And at the end of the day, this podcast is a resource for you. So if you would like to hear more about a certain topic or profession in the industry, definitely reach out and let me know. You can find me on Twitter at WhatTheMeta or by searching for Not Spencer across all social media. Thanks again. Now go crush it.